the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now, back to Lifeline. And we are back at the time, 6.15 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. Let me go to line number four and talk with Nelson and San Mateo. Nelson, what are your thoughts about our topic today? Good afternoon. Yeah, well, the human heart, you know how that is. Um, but I, I thought I heard a story out, the, out of the Mall of America that a 50-something-year-old man had thrown a five-year-old. I guess they didn't get the story right the first time. I don't know. No, they didn't. That, that is the name of the mall. The mall. It was. It's called the American Mall. But it was a 24-year-old young man who was apparently very mentally disturbed and uh, and largely perturbed Nelson because he couldn't get a woman. Did you hear my? Did you, you hear know, my monologue on it? Yeah, yeah, I did. I, I did listen to you a lot, right. all, almost all the way at the beginning. Right. Um. And um. That's funny because it's usually um, people who follow Jordan Peterson who are into like, like not not everybody who's acted on that like the guy who shot the women at the yoga place in Florida because he couldn't get a woman and the guy who shot the women the college girls in Santa Barbara because he thought he was entitled to these women but Jordan Peterson kind of stirs that fire um, he's against um, he's from Canada and he's I know you Jordan know. Peterson well, and I got to find a way to let you uh, get yourself out of trouble by creating a, an, an ad hominem or a genetic fallacy. You better be very good at making a direct connection between Jordan Peterson. You all Greek logic on me. <laughs> oh, I, no, I'm helping you. I'm, it's called human logic. You can you can define its origin all you want to, but in the same way that folks like to blame Trump for every evil that happens around the world, no, they want to. I'm not. You're, you're assuming things. I'm not blaming. But 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 no, I guess I am. Say I'm putting because he does. He does. I did say he stirs that pot. He does because he's very popular. John Piper has mentioned him, and, and you, you know yourself, he has said that. He he says he's against a zero-sum game when it comes to different ethnicities doing well in social economic in America. But then he starts talking about the dating game, and he says it's not fair for some guys not to have women, and some guys have all the women they want. And then the, when the progressive challenger or the – People were debating and challenge him. Then he said, well, I guess I am saying the same. He caught himself. He, he didn't know what to say. I mean, he is really stirring their pot. Well, well, he didn't have anything to do with this young man. No, this he young didn't. Man, he didn't. Right. So and, make and sure I, that you make sure you do that. Because it. here's the thing. I, I love I love your conversation. I love you. You know that I love the way you think. But I'm just not going to let my brothers uh, brothers just be irrational and make assumptions or arguments that are undefensible. They're they're not defensible. He does. I, I've listened to Jordan Peterson a lot. Like I do a lot of the mainstream philosophers, whether they are pseudo Christian like like Jordan Peterson, because he's a pseudo Christian, you know that, uh, uh, rooted in a largely uh, um, sort of a um, 
uh, Jungian philosophy that has some 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 Marxist tendencies or at least uh, uh, tendencies of the survival of the fittest mentality that basically will uh, you know kind of embrace a hierarchical structure of government even on a sociological level, which is what you're saying because. When you look into the animal world, which he does a whole lot of, and we can as well, because unfortunately Solomon said, man is like the beast that perishes. This young man, however, rather than breaking out in an evil tirade and doing something as despicable as taking a child and, and, and making the child sort of the, 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 the consequent of his frustrations, which is nothing but pure, uh, 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 we would call that bullying, and then we would also call it cowardice. Um, the, the, the account said that the police asked him, how come you didn't go find a full-grown man to do it in the mall? And he says, well, you know, at the time it wasn't convenient. I couldn't find one. Well, yeah, because a full grown man would have resisted him and they would have been at the battle. Now, he still may have thrown the man overboard, but there would have been a good chance that him wrestling with a a grown man, he would have been the one thrown overboard. See, so we do have to think through. The depths of depravity, we have to think through, uh, Nelson, the grounds of behavior actions like that and really be biblical about it. That's what I want you to do. Give me a biblical uh, perspective on how to redeem this crazy event that occurred. Help me now, because all you did was take a quick shot at Jordan Peterson and say some of his his inflammatory uh, logic. And I would agree with you. There's a lot of what he says that has implications that even he has to back up on. By the way. Uh, I've listened to Jordan uh, Peterson enough to know that he got some mental issues going on too. I I think you picked up on that as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean the stuff he says about the Holocaust and Hitler, I mean, you better never say that in front of my face. Right. (laughs) But uh, right. No, I I, I got that. But can you pick up on how he's actually in a kind of psychotherapeutic context when he teaches he he's actually struggling with his own internal demons. When you listen to him and watch him, he sweats, he cries, he he toils, he regrets. And and uh, he's he's modifying now because the the spotlight of the world is on him. Mm -hmm. All right. Go ahead. I, I, I agree. I agree. Good point. Yeah. Good point. Um, yeah, I guess I guess you're right. I did just call in to make an ad hominem. <laughs> How do you say ad hominem? Ad hominem attack against somebody that in a minute will be worldwide. I, I suppose. I mean, he's prominent in, in in Canada, prominent in Europe. He's prominent in the colleges. I actually appreciate him standing up and opposing a bunch of this postmodern BS that that is dominating our uh, 21st century and millennial, uh, you know, Gen One, Twos, and Threes. I, he needs somebody needs to oppose the insane of asserting a kind of gender spectrum that's just rooted in the figment of a person's imagination. If that's not uh, the ultimate expression of vanity, I don't know what is. But Bill, Ben Shapiro does that without, you know, um, saying these crazy things about the Holocaust. And, and that's because he's Jewish. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Man, you yeah. better stop. You know, you got to go clean up your act. You know, I'm gonna get you when you when you come from the wrong door. I know Ben Shapiro well too, and I know that he's Jewish, and I know that he's gonna kind of protect his Jewish image as well. But the Jews are not without any kind of liability. You know that. You've heard me long enough to put them on the hot box right along with black folks and white folks and every other kind of folks who would pretend that they're pure and clean as the wind-driven snow. It's not so. 
All right. Well, I guess you want to do most of the talking, so I guess you get your last. Nah, word. nah. I'm just gonna tell you if you pull Ben Shapiro up there, and I like Ben. I really do. I, do you like Ben? I like some of the things he said, but some of the but I listen. I watched the YouTube video where somebody took him broke down point by point of how he does you know, make. make bad arguments too i mean yep. nobody's perfect exactly exactly but can you can you can you can nelson can you tell when god is using somebody for a specific purpose in a specific setting that even though that individual is, is flawed that that individual is serving a a, a good purpose at the moment in that particular context oh, given yeah, that particular number subject? one in american history number one person in american history John Brown, yeah, the man, greatest Calvinist of all time. Well, you you cold, you, you cold. But see, if we just deal with the historical context, there's some huge benefits to John Brown's philosophy, and, and yet a lot of people would not like him. You know that, right? Of course. All right, I'm gonna let you Bur- go, man. Spurgeon, huh? Spurgeon loved him. Uh, yeah, of course. Of course, Spurgeon loved him from the comfort of uh, of, of 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 England. He he loved him. It was comfortable for Spurgeon. He didn't have to do much but uh, agree with that man. But John Brown did all of the hard work. Now that's see, now it's you and I just talking. So I'm a I'm gonna let you go. I, it, appear, it appears that your jaw is doing better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Take it easy. <laughs> I'll talk to you later. Got to take a break. When I come back, two lines open, one 367 5329 Now, y'all know I know Nelson. Nelson's a good brother. He's a good African-American brother, and he, he likes to beat up on, uh, uh, let's say, our, 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 our Calvinist brethren that don't exercise integrity uh, are the Republicans. And that's all good, too. It's all good. We all need to be checked when we get out of line, and we do get out of line, and that's why we need mercy and that's why we need grace keep it real i'll be right back and now back to lifeline and the time is 629 one line open one triple eight three six seven five three two nine one line open one triple eight three six seven five three two nine let's go to line number one and talk with tanshia and hayward tanshia are you there yes sir how are Hi, you Pastor. i'm saying and you good what's your thoughts today on our topic um, I wanted to share um, in, with your question in terms of how would I answer someone that would say, um, where was God at? Um, for one, I, well, I would say that he was there. He warned them from the beginning when the man threw the table and the chairs. Mm-hmm. He uh, held him back then to just throw tables and chairs. Right, And so that was the first that was the first warning to the people of the mall, to the authorities. Um, and then he also warned the mother because there was something that triggered her to ask, do you need me? Do you need us to move out of your way? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm not blaming it on the mother at all. Uh, I'm, I'm not saying it was her fault. I'm sure. just saying he did, he did warn her mm-hmm. ahead of time. Mm-hmm. I know um, when I'm out, with my son, I don't even ask. I, if I see somebody come in our direction, I, sh- you know, I'm sharing with him to move closer to me. Um, or, and if he's not moving fast enough, I pull, I will pull him closer to me. And my son is 16 years old <laughs> and I'm still that protective over him. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and so, and I, and I would say that God, none of us knows 
what it's truly like to be without God, even people that don't know God, because he's always holding back. It could have been much worse than just him um, throwing the the little, I'm not saying that's not bad. Um, That's horrible. Um, My heart goes out because I'm a mother too, of a boy, so I can definitely relate. Mm -hmm. But um, the Lord holds back even the worser evils. We have no idea what he had in his mind to do. That's true. That's true. And and what you are stating uh, on the um, front end is that um, God was there. That's the way you're framing it. I would agree with that, that God was there, that the scenario does not omit God, even if it is hard to see how it is that was God, that God was there. So first you are talking about how that God was there in the conscience of the authorities at the mall by the warning that came the first time around the authorities in the uh, law enforcement agency, because they had to deal with him several times in terms of his mental illness and his um, offense towards police officers. So this happened in 2015. And now we have four years later where he has come back again. And uh, rightly so, according to the account, uh, the young mother was very much aware that something was somewhat amiss when um, she saw him coming. We don't know specifically. We don't have a camera. I didn't at least I didn't do that much research to see if there was a camera that had indicated him being erratic or um, disturbed or acting in a physical way that would have implicated anything. But I certainly agree that a lot of times God will give us intuition. He will give us unction in our conscience that something is not right and that that will be enough of a warning. A lot of times for us to do something, whether we do it or not, becomes another issue. And probably in the context of comfort, if you were comforting this young woman uh, and she was asking the question, because see, one of the things I don't want us to do. And this is what I was saying to our first caller. If you heard me speaking to our first caller who had um, the son who was autistic. And I don't know if you heard that the first caller was a female with two sons and one of them is autistic. I forget her name, but she um, she stated how that people misinterpret her autistic son and how that she has to uh, let people know and and modify the way she engages them around how they would respond to her to tell her uh, to to whack her son or to admonish her son for behaving in certain ways. And he uh, is a young teenager, a young adult who behaves very much like a a little child. They don't know what she is dealing with. And I know you know what that's like. She said that as a believing woman, she sometimes has a hard time explaining to people uh, how they misinterpret what her son is doing and then want to give her a shallow Christian answer as to how to deal with him. And I shared with her that her son's uh, disability, Tanshia, was a model to us of our brokenness. The only problem is we can see his, we can't see ours. And a lot of times what we do is we act like we are better than we actually are because we don't appear to be as broken as some of our other fellow human beings are. And in the context of the young lady whose son was taken and snatched up by evil, uh, there are three there are three theological uh, perspectives that I want to make sure that I give to it. You've just given one. It's kind of an apologetic. You gave an apologetic, which is a defense for God being present there. 
and that was fine. Did you want to say something else? Um, I just, and also, um, it just brought to my mind, um, for people that ask that question, uh, it just brought to my mind how if, if I was God, I would do my will too, because it seems like, because it's back to where we ask for one thing, we ask for God not to be there because we don't want his laws or we we don't want to follow what he has put in place for our protection. True. But then when something happens, then we're like, well, where was, where is God? So it's kind of like we're asking for him not to be there. But then when he just lifts his hand a little bit and we see what it's like without him there, then now we, we blame him um, for it in terms of even just asking that question. I know you're not saying that anybody said that, but I'm saying, I'm just saying it just brought to my mind that, that thought that exactly. So now, no, yeah, you're right. Is, and, yeah. and and therefore, but what I'm saying to our larger audience, and I'm sure some of the earlier people got it, and I want you to get it because you are um, you, you need to know this is that the question, where is God? It's not always coming from a bad place. So when okay. when you, you that that has to be understood because Christians love not you, but Christians in general love to argue. They love to debate what God is calling us to do is engage if it yes, if it's sir. if it's contextually given to be a debate, then yeah, now we move into what is called apologetics, a defense of the gospel, a defense of God, a defense of his nature, his eminence, his presence, his omnipresence, his omniscience, his omnipotence. Now we can defend God in terms of what his word says about how God is and why God does what he does. But every time the question is raised, where was God? It's not always for us to be an apologetic. That's why I'm saying it would be perfectly appropriate for that woman to be able to ask God, where were you as the people of God have asked? If you look up the question, God, where are you? You find the people of God asking that a lot. And it's not always in the sense of a dishonorable expression of denying God's existence or condemning God for the bad thing that occurred. It's simply an opportunity now for us to actually Reckon with the question, what just happened in my life? We're going to be dealing with emotional fog this Saturday, are we not? Yes, sir. Right. And, and to her, to her personally, because I, I, me, I don't have enough knowledge to ask, to answer that um, other than sharing with her that she would have to ask God to reveal that to her. Um, which is if, which if is I was speaking directly to her, I would be um more um softer well the point the point the point is sympathetic this is what I mean by yeah, having different yeah having different angles remember we're prophetic and we're priestly, and so when a question yeah. when a question is raised, we have to go, where is that coming from? Is that coming from the austere, hostile, antagonistic space of I hate God because God doesn't do what I say? Or is it coming from truly a sincere place of I don't get it? I don't get what just happened. And life is filled with I don't get what just happened. In Sri Lanka, there were three bomb attacks that killed almost 200 people. And a bunch of those people are walking around in an emotional cloud right now. That's right. And the same thing with many cases around the world. 
and God drops us as believers off in those spaces. And what our job is, is when it comes within the purview of our ability to respond is we try to think about why they are saying what they're saying in relationship to what happened, which provoked that thought and then give an answer in accordance with it for the best honor of God, as well as the good of that person. So we want to try to be with that woman. If she raised that question, comforting to her relative to all that you said, uh, you know, sweetheart, did you get that internal warning? She'll go. Yeah. Well, that was God. That was God. He's letting you know, he's letting you know that there was some evil up on us and we have to wrestle through because we have heard God speak to us in our conscience, not audibly, but intuitively about things that we should have responded to that we didn't. And we suffered consequences. Would you agree? Right. And yes, not sir. and not and not necessarily, you know, anything severely bad, but enough for me to go, okay, I didn't listen that time. Well, that's the state of all children of God. There's a bunch of times we didn't listen to God. On this yes. occasion, on this occasion, this is deeply wounding for her and us. Uh, because she's part of our family as a human being, and we have to put both of our feet in her shoes and go, how am I going to comfort my sister? Because tomorrow it could be my daughter. My daughter could be at the mall with my baby, with my grandbaby, and some fool would do that. Now, he's going to have to leave the universe, you know, because I had already said what would happen. Uh, but how am I going to comfort my daughter, right? Right, right. I'm, because she, yeah. she can ask me, Daddy, where was God? She can ask me that, and I got to say, give me some time to pray about it. Put my face in the dirt and think this one through, and let's see if we can um, if we can discover that the hand of God, the voice of God, the providence of God, some aspect of his presence was there to let us know in order for us to be able to pick up the pieces now that we're broken. That's what I want us to talk about here, so thank you for the call. Thank you. Bless you. Bye. All right, let me go to line number three and talk with Don and Sassoon. It's Don. Hi, Don. Hi, Pastor Jessica. Is this, is this my Don? Yeah. Okay, what's going on, girl? Well, Pastor Jessica, I'm totally struggling because okay. I'm thinking about the issue that you're talking about and then the issue with um, Santa Barbara. And it's like, and then the Santa Barbara case bothered me so badly that I went and read the after action report from the law enforcement because i just i just didn't get it mm-hmm. and and then um i had read the history of the young man Elder Roger, and his parents tried valiantly to get him help as a child right and and my thing is i understand i mean i know what the the um the cure is for the mental you got to seek you got to seek the lord you know when that mental health stuff but my struggle is it's like for those who don't believe and want to do the meds, how would I, as a Christian woman, like counsel, like integrate the the um, the need for the meds with the godly counsel? You know what I mean? I do. I, I do. You're you're in a, a field of expertise and work that really does require. Uh, in integrative theology. Um, and so I'm, I'm really glad we're having this conversation. I'm glad all of you guys are listening because one of the things I want us to develop into, particularly people of grace as yourself, as Tanchea, your other sister who just called and others, um, is to know how to be salt and light in the world. So with 
with the situation in Santa Barbara, as with the situation in Sri Lanka, as with the situation in Minnesota, and all these evils that break out around the world, Don, what will occur is that we will initially have a sense of moral um, judgment that will assess a thing right or wrong. That's not a bad thing. We, Like I said, that young man, if that was my grandchild, he would have to leave the universe, right? Because I'm after him, right? Uh, that's just my internal desire for the rectification of injustices, which is what God had said in the book of Numbers uh, years ago. If a man commits a murder, he better start running. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is called the city yeah. of refuge. If a man mm-hmm. commits a murder intentionally premeditated, let him drop his axe and run because the whole family if not the whole city is coming after him right away so that politics and bribes and money doesn't get him off the hook. And he better run to a city of refuge and stay in that city of refuge until they can exercise due process at length to find out whether he did it premeditatedly or not, whether he had a mental case that will justify him being locked up for a lengthy period of time or whether or not he was just in malice and an intent like this man confessed he was. We'll find out down the line. He's going to die unless, of course, he stays in the city of refuge until the death of the high priest, which in that context means he needs a savior. That if the high priest dies, then the high priest has taken his place in the judgment and that man no longer is under a capital punishment uh, decree. But what God does mean in the Old Testament, and he means it in the new as well, is that the wages of sin is death and that we can't go light on crimes where people commit murder and kill other people who are in innocent legally in those contexts. We need to actually pursue justice with the kind of severity that God himself would uh, while at the same time showing an avenue of mercy so that that soul might be saved. What you're talking about, we're talking about integrating theology with uh, sociology and psychology at the level of helping those systems. These are disciplines. Psychology, uh, sociology, and theology are aspects of the Christian calling to help a person get in a position where they can come to know the Lord as the ultimate healing uh, process in their life. So we want to work on integration as opposed to uh, conflict or or, um, an adversarial approach to uh, a theological versus uh, psychological uh, approach to that boy's problem. That it's a real struggle for you guys, though, a real, real struggle. But appreciate that, Don. Appreciate that it's a struggle. Don't be quick to judgment. Pray about it and seek wisdom on how you can best help a person in that scenario. Now, i got to take a break. Maybe I'll see you on Saturday, Lord willing. Uh, we're going to break at 645. I've got two lines open, one 888 I'll be right back. And now, back to Lifeline. And we are back the time. 649, 10 minutes to go. Two lines open, one 329 Remember, DOG, this Saturday you want to be there, ladies, if you aren't doing anything. Some good spiritual breakfast, 10 o'clock till about 1230 or 1 o'clock with your sisters from all around the Bay at Grace Bible Church in San Leandro, 10 o'clock this Saturday. Just a women's meeting. They're gathering together to talk about how to deal with the fall. Come on out. Let me go to line number two and talk with Mark in San Jose. Mark, are you there? 
do. Yeah, uh, you know, I thought that uh, I'd uh, celebrate the resurrection uh, Easter until, uh, you know, there's a, a Presbyterian church, Westminster uh, Presbyterian Church uh, in San Jose uh, that had their big banner up there. And so I, I went in there and, you know, sat up front and took a listen to the Reverend uh, Dr. Brian Franzen. And I'm telling you, after that service, Jesse, I have a whole new slant on Second Thessalonians, uh, and I'd ask all the KFAX listeners to go through real slow Second Thessalonians, because uh, it was written mostly to rectify a mistake that they had. They thought Jesus was coming in their day, and Paul wanted them to know that he was not coming in their day, but there had to be a falling away first. Right. And uh, it's interesting, because they sung some great songs, the singing was great, you know, Low in the grave he lay, and sure. all these other ones that sure. you know. Uh, he, uh, uh, Brian Franson said, uh, got them all worked up in a frenzy, and uh, he, he said, he is risen. And they responded, he is risen again. He is risen. He is risen again. You know, and they said it like they actually believed that, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. And uh, they read from Acts. Uh, some lady got up and read from Acts 10. Verses 38 through 42, those are excellent scriptures. John 20, verses 11 through 17, as they finished the reading, they said, good is the word of the Lord, and, and the person who read it said, this is the word of the Lord, and they would respond, good is the word of the Lord. And uh, it was just amazing. You know, this, this man uh, is asked to pray uh, the LGBT thing um, every June or July, with the Board of Supervisors, and he does the invocation. And, and uh, you know, after the service, I mentioned to everyone, you know, that your pastor is a, a sodomite, and they had no problem with that. They they love Jesus, and they have, and we're not to judge. That's what they told me. We're, you know, we're not to judge. And, uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's really amazing, because it says Satan will enter into the temple of God. The Jews aren't going to rebuild the temple, okay? If they did, it wouldn't mean anything. This is the churches. It's a falling away, and it's never been like this. They're not, you know, doing bad things with each other in the bathroom. They're actually, you know, pretending like they're real Christians, you know? They're, they're, they're singing songs that have some substance to them. It's you happening know, everywhere. Mark, it's happening everywhere. Now, I, 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 it's happening in a lot of places. It's sad. It's happening in a lot of places. The gospel's not being preached. The line of delineation is no longer clearly laid out as to what it means to live an unregenerate life, uh, a reprobate life. It's happening in a lot of places that are preachers that are identified with historically reformed churches as the Presbyterian churches, reformed churches, Christian reformed churches, reformed Baptist churches. I don't necessarily remember any reformed Baptist churches getting as jacked up as your Lutheran Presbyterian churches, PCA churches. They're going bad. That's why a lot of our churches now, Mark, are independent because we know that they are taking on a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. And there is certainly a real Real problem. This is not new. You know, this happened in the days of the kings. You know, this happened in the days of Josiah. This happened in the days of Joash when the Sodomite temples were attached 
sodomite houses were attached to the temple of God so that there was a commingling of that culture with the temple and God had to ultimately destroy uh, the theocracy because of it. And we're told in the latter days that some shall um, be given to a strong delusion that they should not believe the truth, but believe a lie and be damned because they did not have a love for the truth that they might be saved. You, you are quoting a text of scripture that is relevant presently in our culture and it should break your heart, should break mine. We should be the two witnesses of Revelation 11 that's preaching in sackcloth and ashes for the abominations that are done in the house of Israel. That is Ezekiel chapter 11. That is Ezekiel chapter 13 and chapter 14. There is clear and explicit biblical prophecy about the falling away that occurs cyclically throughout the generations, even up to now. I'm wondering why you even went to that church. Well, it made me mad, you know, because there. Well, did you go to get mad? Well, actually, I came there to preach at him. Ah, well, well, truth, well, you, know? you, well, you did the wrong thing too, because you, you on on Sunday you're supposed to be worshiping with people who actually believe the gospel instead of running around getting into arguments. Yeah, I was going to go to Camden, Camden Avenue Baptist. That's a good church. Yeah, uh, well, you know, but, you know, uh, you know, you know, you got some mischief going on in your soul. You know that. Well, I think uh, the Lord was pleased with me going there. It's just one Sunday, and they needed to hear First Corinthians six. You know, and I said, look, if we're washed and justified, okay, and sanctified in the name of the Lord Jesus, then we're different, okay? We were this, but now we're not that. I agree. uh, Yeah. I agree. I agree, but I agree, but you you know, you and I had long, lengthy conversations about you going around being John the Baptist. Uh, But I, 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 my heart breaks because I, I hate hearing what you said went on there because I know it's happening in far too many churches. My heart is sad. I, I got to end on a note of thinking about um, apostasy. It, it, here's how I will close. This is how I have to close. And, and that's this. First of all, apart from the grace of God, there go I. Apart from the grace of God, there go you. I am thankful that he who has begun a good work in us will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ, that he who has promised to sanctify us wholly, body, soul, and spirit, will do just that. He's faithful and he will do it. I'm so glad that we are saved by an indomitable grace that not only justifies us, but truly sanctifies us. That means transforms us, makes us new creatures in Christ, and old things are passing away. That is to say what I used to be uh, positionally and legally and covenantally. I am no more. I am coming up out of patterns of life for which I no longer have to identify with. So we do not have to sweep bad behavior patterns. According to first Corinthians six, nine Galatians chapter five, verses 17 through 19 Ephesians chapter five, very clearly laid out in verses 13 through 17 for such were some of you, but you have been washed. You have been justified. You have been sanctified by the spirit of God and in the name of Jesus Christ. And unless this gospel is preached in power, what you're going to see occurring in our world is a constant syncretism, compromise, abandonment of the power of the gospel and the embracing of inclusivism that lets Everybody just continues living in rebellion and disobedience to God's word in the name of Jesus. It is the height of hypocrisy. No doubt about it. Lord, have mercy on us. Lord, have mercy on your churches. 
Help your men and women wake up to the truth that you will not be mocked, that whatsoever man sows, that will he also reap, and that you will give discernment to your people, not to exercise a holier self than our about attitude, but that we would discern truth from error, that we would live for the glory of God that we would proclaim the truth boldly, humbly, and sacrificially, that men and women might truly be saved from the dark, pagan, apostate religion of socialism and egalitarianism that basically is dominating much of our reform community today. Lord, have mercy on us. That's all I have to say. Lord, have mercy on us. Until next time, we will uh, we'll see you guys And again, if you want to come on out this uh, Saturday, ladies, you're certainly welcome to come out. We want to clear up the fog, theological fog, emotional fog, psychological fog, fog, practical fog, domestic fog, um, traumas of of what happened to us in our youth. Uh, So many different things we can begin to work on. Jesus said it in John chapter 8, verse 31. If you are my disciples, you will continue in my word and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Truth liberates in Jesus name, in Jesus name. All right, you guys, I got to (laughs) go. I'll see you guys next time. Pray for me. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.